Here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm going to um, title this message, uh, What Do You Want? Hey, what do you want? So that's like not really the tone of the whole message, but that just felt right. So turn to the person with a little bit of Wednesday night attitude and be like, yo, what do you want? Just turn to the person and say, what do you want? Come on, some of you grew up in church where you, you got to talk to your neighbor. Hey, 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 what do you want? Am I the only person that's like uh, having a difficult time choosing my outfit? <laughs> now, obviously, I didn't struggle tonight. I know that's right. But there are nights that I struggle, days I struggle. Like I said, tell yourself, it ain't tonight. But am I the only one? And, and listen, I just need to put out this to, to the universe. This is, this is a first world problem for sure. But um, you walk into your closet or, or it's something like, oh, you got to walk in closet. All right. But you, you look in your closet and you see your clothes and you're like, I wish they could talk. I wish my clothes would be like, I miss you. Wear me today, you know, but I can't choose. It's gotten worse for me. And, and I'm starting to wonder, is this like a 43 thing? Because I'm 43 years old and, and, and I'm going to restaurants now. Same thing. I'm like, what do I want? What do I want? What do you, what do you baby? What do you, baby, you know what I like. Um, I love people. You have any friends like this? They ask the server. That's the most, it's, it's absolutely unacceptable to ask a server, a perfect stranger, what you should eat. By the way, that's unfair for the server because the server's trying to get a nice tip and you're going to determine your tip whether or not the server picks a particular meal that you think you're going to like and you don't even know if you're going to like it. What do you think I should have? What's the special tonight? I'm, I am officially so indecisive right now in my life. I'm just having a difficulty and then it dawned on me why. This is why you're struggling with it because we all have been living in sweats for two and a half years, Uber eating the same thing every day. Mine's been Takaya for life. Guiltless quesadilla with the mushrooms, right? And just like clockwork. Now, Chelsea's not like this, but I could eat the same thing every day. The same thing. That's why anybody else, the same thing every day. Like, now I can't wear the same clothes. I can't, you know, go to the same place. I got to have new conversations. But I could, eating is like, I just need to get the fuel so I can get on with it, right? And I've learned how to slow down. Chelsea is the one that got me to slow down. Um, the, one of the first really great places I took her for a night out <clears throat> was this place called Chili's. And it was like a local spot in Seattle. And, um, and I said, get whatever you want, girl. I got you. I'm a full-time custodian at the church. You know what they're paying me? Um, and we, we did it. Like, we were at Chili's. And the truth is, that night, because I was trying to wait to make it special when I used the L word, love, right? I was going to tell her I love her. Um, but I had this whole plan when I was going to do it, because I think words have weight and they matter. And, um, but I do use the word love a lot, because I love the word love. Well, sue me, okay? But, <laughs> but I, we, were, we were eating Chili's, and um, I forget what we were having. Back then, man, those were the days. We were 20 years old, eating whatever we wanted. Now, I haven't eaten in three days because I knew I'd be on stage tonight. <laughs> three days. Three days. Um, but we were having probably, I don't know, mud pie and chili caked over fries. And I just looked up from, like, dipping my fries, and I said, girl, I love you <laughs> at Chili's. Super romantic.
Um, and she said, oh, I love you too. Um, but um, that really doesn't have much to do with my sermon at all. <laughs> I just want you guys to know that I'm down with chilies. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I am bougie for sure, but chilies, any day, anytime, anywhere, I'm there. TGI Fridays, absolutely. Like, if this is not a Red Robin, the Dirty Bird. That started in Seattle. Don't get me started, right? So I like chain restaurants too, but I've been so indecisive lately and I, I realized, like, the reason I can't figure out what I want is life actually has been incredibly challenging. Now, I don't want to minimize, make light of the global pandemic in any way, shape, or form. But one of the humorous outcomes of this is I think we're all a little indecisive. I, I, I have found myself this week, I'm not exaggerating, uh, uh, and, and, and I am blessed to be able to go out to eat at certain times. I realize that is a privilege and that is a blessing. It's important for us to remember that. And uh, by the way, I grew up in the 80s, and my dad was a traveling evangelist. And what that means is my family was more broke than yours. That's what that means, okay? Because um, uh, whatever city we were in, and whatever the young people, my dad did seminars for young people. And what I didn't know at 8, 9, 10, 11 years old is that um, our entire livelihood depended on how much money those teenagers put in the bucket that went by at the end of the seminar. You know? And that's why I realized my mom, at the end of every seminar, she's like this, in the name of Jesus, Lord, right now, help these kids give their parents money, Lord, right now. Right? So, Listen, I know what it is. I grew up with a very frugal mom and dad, and I'm so proud of that, and it's been a wonderful journey. Having said that recently, um, I did sell some books. I'm grateful for those books. Thank you for buying them. If I ever do another book, which I don't think I will because it's so stressful, I hate it. But if I do, will you buy that book? Because that helps me go out to eat. So I went out to eat, and they're like, what do you want? And you ever had that, like, it's like, it's like grow up. I'm 43, but I'm still the guy that's like, oh, one more person, and then they're going to ask me. One more person, one more, one more, one more. What'd you have? What'd you have? What'd you have? You had that, okay. Hey, what'd you, what'd you, what'd you get that? I don't, no, I don't like that. Uh, Brussels sprouts, no, no, no. Just, man, what do you, hey, what do you, what, what's your favorite thing? Like, I'm so indecisive. Life got so simple. Now, you might be here thinking, I've never been indecisive, or it's just a recent thing because of COVID, or, but the, the, the reality is, a lot of us, when asked this question, I'm being serious. If I asked you tonight, what do you want? Almost all of us, usk, <laughs> almost all of us, that's not a bad way to say it, though, to be honest. All of us would probably respond with a follow-up question. What do you mean? What I mean is, what do you want? Well, clarify, no. Synthesize, no. Focus it, no. Focus the question, no. What do I want now? I just said, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? If I asked you that question tonight, what do you want? What would you say? Anything? I said, what do you want? Like in my 20s? What do you want? Like, like relationally? What do you want? Spiritually, what do you want? What do you mean want? What do you want? I mean from life? Yeah. What do you want from life? Well, suppose I want what everybody else wants. I want happiness. That's so ambiguous, it's elevator music. 
You know, I, mean, you know, I mean, there are answers you can give that aren't answers anymore. I want happiness. Well, what is happiness? What do you want? What do you want from life? Remember an old man came through our church years ago. I was like 16 years old and, and uh, just the pastor's kid. And I had to sit at the end of the table and we would go out to dinner with each preacher that would come to town. I'd be like, oh, Lord, Jesus, save me. I'll serve you forever if you get me out of these dinners, Lord. And, and, and he looked at me and he said, son, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anybody ever ask you that question? If you've never asked that question, you weren't raised in the United States of America. But for the rest of us raised in this country, that is the question that adults ask kids because they don't know what else to ask. Hey, hey, young man, what do you want to be when you grow up? Which is a ridiculous notion, really. You know, hey, I know you're 11, but tell me how you're going to, you know, produce income for your wife and kids. You know, it's like, I, I don't, I'm, I don't understand pre-algebra, you know? Like, I don't know if I know what do you want to be I looked at that old preacher, I said, well, I said, I do like, uh, by the time I was 16, I was always doing a little, already doing a little public speaking and, and preaching, and I said, I'll probably preach like my dad, and he said, um, he said, one of the most important things you can ever determine in your life, young man, is what you want. I said, oh, okay, what do you want? More than what are you going to do, what's your career, who are you going to be, what do you want? Think about everybody who came tonight to the Savant Theater. We all want something. Now, whether or not we have owned up to what we want is a whole nother story. Are you like me? I pretend like I don't want stuff that isn't the right stuff to want. I don't want that. But the more I tell you I don't want it, it's because I want it. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, was that, was that cake good? That, that cake good? No, I can't. I'm gluten-free. I can't have the cake. Was the cake? It was good, though. It was a moist cake. You really liked it? Ooh, I like cake. I miss cake. I haven't had cakes in 1997. That's when I graduated high school. I love cake. Ooh, but I don't want cake. No, I don't want cake. I don't need cake. Like, bro, would you have a piece of cake and shut up? You know, like, what do you, what do you want? Now, now bear with me, Christians, uh, or I should say, bear with me, those who are pre-Christian, and let me talk to the Christians for a moment because Christians are most confused on this topic. Now, you ask a real, you know, Bible-carrying Christian. You know, the Christians that, like, don't even like that you have your Bible on your phone. <laughs> hey, isn't it crazy? It's 2022. We still got preachers talking about, like, and don't show me your phone. Show me the Word of God, leather-bound, <laughs> black ink on paper. It's like, I, you know, it's 2022. I think the, the ship sailed, all right? <laughs> like Someone asked me, I know you read your Bible every day? I said, no, I don't ever read my Bible. I listen to it on audio. It's awesome. Okay, just in case you were wondering what I do, like I, haven't, I don't read the Bible. I just listen to it. It's incredible, okay? Welcome to the new technological age. So let me talk to Christians, 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 Christians. When you ask a real, you know, intense Christian, what do you want? They give answers like this, I just want what God wants. I dare you to ask a Christian, what do you want? And they'll say, do you mean from my life? Yes, brother, what do you want? I gave up what I want years ago. <laughs> and now what I want is only what he wants me to want. For what I used to want for myself, 
got me and left me in a wanting place. And now I want for nothing, for I drink from the well that never runs dry. And now my life is simply at the service of my king, Jehovah Jireh. What does that mean? Nobody knows. Let me tell you right now, all right? I've been a preacher for 20, 29, nobody knows. What do you want? Christians aren't even allowed to answer that question, to be honest. We're not even allowed. What do you want? It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. <laughs> We're so confused, man. The thing about Christians, when you ask them what they want, it, it, it bleeds into like, like decisions on who to date and who to marry. We are the most confused people group on the planet. Is she the one? Because if you don't know this about Christians, we believe, um, our, our belief system is like, oh, that's right, a Disney cartoon. And what every Christian is waiting for is what I call the Disney swirl. And what they're waiting for is to God, is for God to put in front of them their divine spouse. Uh, 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 uh. Who are you? I'm the one for you. I'm waiting for God to reveal her to me. What? Do you want to date her? I do, but I've laid down my own desires. And so until the Lord reveals it, it's just getting weird is all it is. It's just getting super weird. What do you want? That's my question tonight. Now, you know where we're going, and we're going to get to a place that pretty much all sinners around Jesus, so bear with me. But I have found that Christians are not just indecisive at dinner time. They're indecisive on a daily basis. What do you want? I'll never forget that old preacher, man. He said, one of the most important things you can answer in your life is, what do you want? So I ask you again, what is it that you want? Isn't that funny? Because we are so busy, but oftentimes we're so, our schedules are so full, but we haven't even identified why or what we want. So what I want to introduce to you is what I'm going to call the four levels of living. And I'm going to take you through what I think is when you're born, there's a level you live at. And in the proper maturation process of the human experience, I believe there is a fourth and highest level of living. But I want to introduce you to the four levels of living. Now, by introducing you to the four levels of living, I want you to know this is simply my opinion and I can't prove any of it. Isn't that exciting? Now, the fourth level is inherently biblical. The first three, totally my opinion, and I'm having a great time telling you, okay? So here's the first one, I reckon, based on my human experience and 43-year little blip here on the planet. And it's this first level, and it's called, um, what do I think I want? And that's where you're like seven, eight, your brain's just started to like onboard and activate, and you're like just firing up the system, and you're like, I wanna be a fire person. I want to be a basketball player. I'm going to be an architect. You know, like, very few kids say that. But, you know, <laughs> I was going to go into a whole bit about things kids never say they want to be, but that'll offend a lot of people. All right. 
The point is, we've all been there, right? Like I said, the same question was asked me, was asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And that indicates this level of life where it's like, what do I think I want? And it's kind of encouraged in our culture. It's like when you're in adolescence, it's like long, endless summers, sticks and balls and playing and dollhouses and fun. It's like, what do I want to be? I don't know. What do I think I want? Right? And it's this really awesome place, except when you're 32 and doing that, people are like, hey, man, what in the world? You know what I mean? You're like, ooh. <laughs> so, so you usually move on from that level. That's the idea. So you're supposed to move on from what do I think I want. You're not, you're not supposed to stay there. But, but the next level is not much better. It's this level called what, what am I supposed to want? When you're young, there's, there's this concept like no one's telling me. It's just like, it's just for me to decide. And then you start to get into the school system and wonderful and everything. And we all try and all the teachers and the coaches and everybody's trying. But now all of a sudden here comes these concepts of character and integrity and following through and being on time. I'm not against any of those things. They're wonderful. But all of this begins to put together this new concept of uh, here's what you should want. You should want to be informed. You should want to be smart. You should want to be dependable. You should want to be consistent. You should want a career. You should want to be a contributing person in society. You should want to pay your taxes. You should want to watch either CNN or Fox. You choose, choose wisely. You know, like you should, here's what you're supposed to want. Now we start to get into some levels that we can laugh at the first one. What do you think you want? That adolescent, childlike wonder, eyes wide open, but a lot of people never leave level two. Well, what am I supposed to want? All right, and we just accept it. That's what I'm supposed to want. And if you don't think I'm telling the truth, then you haven't been to a college campus your whole life. What are you majoring in? Uh, <clears throat> communications or something, I don't know. And I'll call students, you know, I love you. I love you so much. But it's true. Why are you in college? Well, I don't want to. My mom said she'd kill me if I didn't go. <laughs> and it's an honor and a privilege to go to college. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to make light. It's, it's there are, I got friends who, you know, that were the first uh, a person in their whole family to go to college and graduate from college. That's a big deal. That's important. Please understand, we're having some fun tonight, but bear with me because you know it's true. What am I supposed to want? What am I supposed to want? Some of you are listening to me right now, and you're like, that's kind of, I think, where I'm still at. Is this what I... Do you think... Does that sound... Would you be proud of me? Is that something that you would celebrate... Is this what I'm supposed to want? And then there is a third level. There's a third level, which I think is higher than that. And it's just what the old preacher said. It's when you get to a level of life where you start to decide what you, as an individual human being with an eternal soul, what you actually want for your short stay here on earth. And do not underestimate how significant that level of living is. Meet a man who knows what he wants. Marry him. Meet a woman who knows what she wants. Marry her. Right? I mean, compelling, attractive, magnetic. Someone who knows what they want in life. I don't want that. No, thank you. Somebody who knows how to use their nose. Woo, that's sexy. 
No, thank you. You know what I'm talking about? Like, everybody's going to the club, and there's that one friend's like, that's not for me. I'm good. I'm going to go get some sleep. And you're like, yeah, we're... I'm going to be right there. Hey, why are you doing that? <laughs> well, I, that's just not for me. I, I need to get good sleep because I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this. Why are you doing that? Oh, because I want to. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Let's talk more. All right, let's see. <laughs> that's me. That's me. <laughs> I was never that guy, ever. Graduated with a 2 8 because I was over here. <laughs> but I would talk to him a lot. And I'd see him in the morning. You know, like, <laughs> what do you want? You are not in the majority tonight if you know what you want in this life. You're rare. What do you want? And so I applaud you. You know what you want. You know who you are. You know where you want to go. I think that's awesome. Do I think that's the high, highest level of living? I was going to say, I hate to say it, but that's not true. I don't. I think it's close. It's so compelling. I think it's important. I ask my friends all the time, what do you want? Hey, what do you really want? I think we should ask ourselves when we're doing whatever we're doing, what do I really want from this? This is a Wednesday night. What do you want from your only Wednesday night you have? This might be the only Wednesday night you'll ever have. This is it. This is the last one. This is it. What do you want? What do you want? Well, I hadn't really thought about it. I would recommend if you want to live at a whole nother level that you think about what do you want and then you start getting into a rhythm and you know what you want and then you start using your nose and the older you get, your nose becomes far more important than your yes. It's very easy to say yes. People living on level one and level two say yes, 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 yes all day. It's level three. Those are the people who start using their nose and it's like, ooh, okay. Was that no? Everybody says yes to Coachella. Did you say no? I don't need that. Now, was I at the first week of Coachella? Yes. <laughs> Did I ever go in the gates? No, it got too dusty. I can't get my clothes dirty. <laughs> the wind picked up. And I'm 43. So I just go and I lay by the pool. And people say, where are you in the desert at Coachella? No, I'm not. It's a lie. It's a facade. The point is... <laughs> I'm feisty tonight, I'm sorry, not really. What do you want? Here's the fourth and highest level of living and we'll spend the rest of our duration in the next hour and 45 minutes, we'll spend right here, right here. I'm joking. And I wanna take you to a story in what is Mark chapter 14. And this story hit me but like three, four days ago. And like I said, it was my Bible reading plan Chelsea has our whole family on a New Testament Bible reading plan. You'd be proud of us. And, and we're all reading, and we're all behind in the reading plan. <laughs> Wait, Elliot, are you behind? You're not behind. No, of course he's not. He's a straight-A student. He's six foot seven, 200 pounds, 15-year-old spiritual giant. The rest of us Smiths are behind. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't realize that my Bible account is Chelsea's Bible account because I thought it was my Bible account. 
and I went on my Bible reading plan, and I was like, I'm only like a week behind. But I was like, I haven't listened to the Bible in like weeks. And I was like, look at the Lord. I'm practically on. So I listened to a few more and got all caught up. I, I came in, I told Chell, I said, babe, guess what? She said, what? I said, I'm caught up on our Bible plan. And she goes, oh, that's crazy. I'm a week behind. I said, a week behind? Oh, that's crazy. I am up to date. She, she goes, let me see your phone. I said, sure. Hey. It's, it's whatever you want to look at. I'm a man of integrity. And she clicked over to my Bible app, and she said, this is my account. And I was like, I did think I was a little bit further behind in a week, right? But we've been listening to the, to the, to the New Testament. I don't want to brag, but I'll get it done in a year. Not a big deal. Um, and I was listening to Mark chapter 14, and I heard something I never heard before or I heard it in a way I never heard it before. I want to read to you Mark chapter 14, and it's Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, but moments before he's taken captive and the excruciating process of the crucifixion begins. It says in Mark chapter 14, having taken and blessed the bread, he broke it, gave it to them, then he said, take, this is my body, and, and, and take the chalice, and he, chalice, what a great word, and gave it to them, thanking God, and they all drank from him, and he said, this is my blood, God's new covenant poured out for many people, uh, I'll not be drinking wine again to the day when I drink it in the kingdom of God, uh, they sang a hymn, they went directly to the Mount of Olives, and, and, and Jesus said, uh, you're all going to feel the world is falling apart, and that's my, and that's my fault. But the scripture says, I'll strike the shepherd, the sheep will go helter-skelter. But after I'm raised up, I'll go ahead of you leading the way to Galilee. These are words of Jesus now to his closest friends. Peter blurted out, even if everyone else is ashamed of you and they fall to pieces, I will never, I will never. Jesus said, don't be so sure. Today, this is going to be a really difficult night for you because um, the rooster's going to crow twice, and you're going to die maybe three times. There's a reason Jesus did that. That's not for tonight, but it's kind of a wild thing to do to Peter, to tell Peter that that's like when you're playing ball with somebody, you're like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right, I'm going to go left, and I'm going to dunk on you. It's going to be awkward. Okay, so anyways, it's like, Jesus, why tell him that it's going to be a tough night? Just let it be tough, you know? But anyways, there's a reason for that. Moving on, verse 32. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, this is where I meant to start. My apologies. Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony, and he told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground, and he prayed, prayed. He prayed for a way out. Papa, Abba, Father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Take this cup away from me, but, but please, but please, listen to his humanity, not just his divinity but please not what I want. What do you want? And I was listening to my Bible reading plan, which I do every day, and I don't want you to feel like you're less spiritual just because you are. <laughs> I'm a man of God. I got a degree in theology. It was given to me. But here's the question. It really was. Please don't laugh. <laughs> not what I want. Jesus says, what do you want? And I never heard it like that before. I never heard the son pose the prayer in a question. And I realized, well, it is. Jesus, his humanity is admitting what he wants is to not to go through the process of the most excruciating way to die in antiquity, and that was by Roman excruciating crucifixion. They say that one of the most famous crucifixions, Jesus would have been 11 years old. 
And it was so famous, this crucifixion of this uh, infamous uh, thief, that it was told like a movie. It would have been like a, like a, like a, like a blockbuster, like Braveheart or something. Uh, or one of, my, one of my favorite movies, right? It would have been like a big, big blockbuster and everyone would have known. I know this sounds gross, but crucifixions were like going to the movies for a lot of people. I know that's gross, but it, it was. People would gather by the masses because it was, it was something to do. It was actually a twisted form of entertainment. Jesus knew, he was very familiar with crucifixion and how outrageous, how inhumane gross, horrible, and horrendous it was. He says, Dad, Father, you can, can't you, you can get me out of this. But watch the level he lives at. He says, but please, not what I want. What do you want? And I was driving in my car, and it hit me, and I was like, that's where I want to live. That's where I want to live. Listen, Tonight, this sermon's not going to end with, um, what do you want? And I'm going to tell you the, the number one thing I know he wants from you, but I can't tell you everything he wants. But that's not the point of the message. The point of the message is the proper posture for the human being to experience maximum fulfillment in life. It's not, what do I think I want? It's not, what am I supposed to want? It's not even, what do I want? It's actually learning to live at a level that, what do you want? Now, here's why. Here's why. This is a stool, okay? Let me use this stool as an example. This is a stool. Now, I can project on this stool what it's for. I'm smart enough to understand that based on what I see in the infrastructure and the structure of this, this is, in fact, for the purpose in which I am using it. Now, some things that are built in design are not as clear, right? And so you would think it's silly and funny if I came up on the stage and I was like, yo, what's up, everybody? How you been? Everybody good? All right. Oops. <clears throat> Too much chilies. All right, so you'd be like, man, what in the... Somebody tell him to flip the stool over. Now, push comes to shove. Eventually, to prove to me this is how the stool goes, you would finally argue, if you were arguing your point, let's call the woman or the man that made it, and let's ask them, what did they want when they made this? Now, if I'm a stool maker, I don't just want the stool just to sit there. I want the stool to be used. What do you do? I make stools. For what? For looks. No, I make stools for what do you want from the stool? Thank you for asking because I made it. I want you to take a load off. I want you to get in a deep conversation with somebody. Get two stools. Don't just get one. Get two. That'd be a great business pitch, too. You can't buy just one. You got to get two. So two of you can sit there, and you can connect human to human on the stool, and you can look at each other in the eyes. You know how, how tall you are. If you're short or they're tall, if you both sit on the stool, you'll be at high level with each other. It'll be wonderful. You know, stool is really a real equalizer. Stool is a real common ground. Stools are important to, I don't know, the fulfillment of humanity. You need a stool. If you don't have a stool, you, don't, you have chairs. Chairs are nice, but you need a stool. Stool is a little bit higher than a chair. Gives you a little bit of break. A little less pressure on your lower back. You got a lower back problem? You need a stool. You need a stool. I made this stool because I want your lower back to feel better. 
I made this tool because I want you to connect with humans and I made this tool so you could rest and you could take a break. And so this is, this is what I want from the stool. But perversion is just that. That's all it is. Now, if the stool could talk, what the stool should do, let's say the mouth of the stool is down here, a little covered up. Oh, excuse me, can you flip me around? Yeah. What do you, I need to ask um, the stool maker what he wanted from me. <laughs> is that a Who was that? I know I'm up here doing work. Thank you. That's a child laugh. That's not fake. It's real. So many fake laughs from adults. Okay. Like I blame the front row. So you asked, Judah, how do you know that the highest level of living is what Jesus revealed? What do you want, Father? Because... If you are here tonight and is there any, any, any inclination in your heart, your mind, or your soul, whether you're in the balcony or the main floor, and you're starting to think to yourself, there might be a designer. There might be an architect. There might be a creator. There might be a mountain maker. There might be a fish maker. There might be a dolphin maker. There might be a human maker. There might be a river maker. There might be a rock maker. There might be a diamond maker. There might be a concrete maker. There might be a... Might be a tree maker. I was watching this special on a redwood forest and a golf course in the middle of redwood forest. And I love what the man, the man who runs the golf course, he said it's the largest living thing on earth, the redwood. Right? What would the redwood, what, what, what would the redwood maker say? And I know this sounds strange. So in my car, this is a true story. I started to ask God, what do you want from the ocean? What did you want from the rivers? What do you want from the birds? And I didn't really get a response. In fact, if I got a response, I would have wrecked the car. So God is gracious. Can you imagine? What do you want from the ocean? Enjoyment, my son. You know, like, I'll see you soon. You know, so God, like, People are like, do you hear God like that? No, bro. I don't want to use the restroom in my clothes. Like, no, it's not, it's not, no. But I just started asking, like, what do you want? And then I got to the point, you know where I'm going. And then I was like, what are you? I'm sorry, I, I haven't asked this question a lot lately, but um, you already know what I want, and a bunch of it is not great. You kind of know, like I could tell you and I would, but like, I'm just a guy, 43 years old. They say I'm in the midlife, which is slightly annoying, but in the middle of my life, I mean, what do I want? I mean, what do I, you kind so I just wanted to ask you, what do you want? What do you want from me? What do you want? Wouldn't that be? the highest form of existence for the stool? Why isn't it for you? When's the last time you asked the architect of the ages, why did you make me? And what do you want? What do you want from me? Now, I think we're adorable and cute. I really do. I think everybody here is adorable and cute. I really do think you're adorable and cute. But um, 
we, we are so, um, how should I say, um, really absorbed with ourselves. <laughs> Was that a nice way to say it? Um, and so we think that God's response is, do you know what I want? I want you to be on my team. And I want you to play on my team. I need you on my team. I want to draft you to my team because I want my team to win. And that's what I want. And that's what Americans do to God because we're used to teams and competition. And we think that the cosmos is a big competition between God and Satan. (laughs) And no. The Bible says he sits in the heavens, maybe with a stool. He sits in the heavens. (laughs) This is what he does in heaven. This is too short. Yo, God, what are you doing? Yo, what's up, Michael? You good? How are, the, how are all the angels? I know you're the archangel, but are all the angels good? To be honest, I already know the answer to the question. Ah, I got you. Um, Michael, you know what I'm doing, right? What you always do, laughing at your enemies. That's right. He sits in the heavens, and he laughs at those who think they can oppose him. You know why? Because he's God. Let us not forget, if there is a God, he is all the way God. Which means he's not in the heavens going, I sure hope that political party doesn't get their candidate voted in, because that would really ruin my plan. He is not like a GM of a football team who needs to draft a good player so his team wins. That's not God. God is self-contained and self-sufficient. God is sovereign and supreme. He has no peer. There is no one like God, for if there is one like God, then he is not God. God has no peers. He is by definition unprecedented. And he is mysterious and he is grand and he's powerful and he's strong. So let us not get it twisted when we make God in our own image. Thinking that God somehow is in heaven worried that his favorite team, the Christians, might not win. Get out of town, man. Make God a general manager hoping he gets a top draft pick. Get out of here. But don't we treat them like that? God, what do you want? I know what you want. You probably want my talents. And so I offer them. As broken as my talents are, they're yours, Lord. I'm a man falling apart, but I'm yours. Um, Oh, I'm I'm not the only one that grew up in church. Preachers preach sermons that lead us to believe that God is on a recruiting trip. And he's looking for a talented few to enlist in the army of the Lord. What does he want? He wants your talents, your gifts, your ability, for you will play a key role in revealing the glory of God in the earth. Not really. Do you know what I mean? Like, I walk on this stage, 
I can't, I'm not allowed to walk on the stage and be like, I'm about to do you right, God. I got you. I know you got a PR problem. I'm your guy. Hey. I walk on stage going, this is insane. Definitely don't think you need me at all. But it's become very apparent to me that you want me. Well, there it is. What do, you, what do you want? What's that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean it. What do you, what do you want? Right, 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 right. No, no, I know that. But like, what do you want? You know what I mean? Like career, path, purpose, direction. You know, I'm a big goal setter. I like to get up early, make my bed every day. I need... I've been reading books every month, Lord. I'm, I'm like five books a month. I'm a big achiever, straight A student. Um, so you probably want to, what, what, what big role do you want me to play? So what do you want? Um, no, no, no. I mean, you got me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You got me. You got me. I'm yours. All right. Now, now what's, you know, what do you, what do you want? Are you just going to give me the same? I want you. You want me. Okay, but can you expound? Nah. I just want you. Um, you want me? Yeah, that's why I made you. Because I want you. I wouldn't have made you if I didn't want you. I made you because I want you. And it occurred to me, you know why God wants the ocean? Because he wants the ocean. Yeah. Oh, great. I drove all the way from Orange County for this guy. <laughs> you know? Drove here from the Bay Area, for goodness sake. You, you, you know why he made kangaroos? He wants kangaroos. <laughs> you know why he made rhinos? Because he wanted rhinos. He said, look at those guys. Look at the little thing on there. It's crazy. It's wild. What do you want? You! Okay, here, here you go. I want you every day. Okay. And I want you in every way. I was telling a friend yesterday who was going through a tough time. I said, God wants the secret parts of you. He wants them. God wants the ugly parts of you. He wants them. God wants the fragmented, broken, secret, really, really secret parts of you that if anybody knew, they would cancel you. He wants all of you. And we're busy telling God all that we're going to give him. And he's like, you think I made you because I need someone to talk for me? Son, I let you talk for me because I figured that's a way we could connect. I want you. That's what he wants. And so the highest level of living is the man or woman who says, okay, I don't even know what that means. And if any preacher tells you they understand what all of that means, they're not telling the truth. Because when you give God you, it's, um, 
kind of ambiguous. But here's what I want to do. I want to give you the three things I think this implies. Number one, here's what it implies. Let go of one, two, and three. Just let go of it. I didn't mean don't think about it. I didn't even mean consider. I mean just stop trying to control it. What you think you want, what you're supposed to want, or what you now know, I just want you to let go of that. I want you to literally set it down. I'm just going to set it down. I'm not going to try to manage. I'm just going to let that, I'm gonna let that go. Now, here's what's interesting. There are these overwhelming scriptures, and my friend Ben Corson, I talked about this today. There's these overwhelming amount of scriptures. Have you heard these scriptures in the Bible called, God will give you the desires of your heart? Don't you misunderstand that. Because some of you are like, now what I love about God is he wants to give me the desires of my heart. It's not like that. By the tone that you're saying it in, I know it's not like that. I know that's not the point. I just love that God just wants to give me what I want. That's what he wants. Um, the reason those scriptures are in there is God will give you the desires of your heart that he has shaped and formed and changed. So following Jesus works like secondhand smoke. Anybody smoke in your house? Guess what? So do you. Whether you like it or not. We have discovered that your dad, your dad smokes, that means you smoke, even if you never are the Marlboro Man. You, nobody knows who the Marlboro Man is. I'm 43. Okay, the point is, secondhand smoke is real. It actually is so real that your body, it can affect your body the same way as taking the cigarette to your own lips. You could actually develop cancer and other things just from secondhand smoke. You by following Jesus, can experience secondhand desire change. So I, what I need you to do is I need you to let go. Just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean that you never think about what you think you want or what you're supposed to want or what you do want. Those are pithy, powerful conversations and should be had. There's nothing inherently wrong. I just need you to quit holding them like this. This is what I want. This is what I want. It's what I want. I just need you to put it down. See, it has a purpose. Just set it down and say, okay, there, there it is. And here's all I want you to do. You want to live at level four? You come to this place and say, um, you know what I think I'm supposed to want and what I, early on as a kid, I kind of wanted, but now what I know, you know I really want that. And, and listen, bear with me. Um, this can be fame and fortune. Everybody relax. This can be fame and fortune. So I'm like, no, it can't. But all of us want that, but we pretend we don't. Okay. This can be something as arbitrary as fame and fortune. I don't need you to throw it away. Just, just set it down. Okay. I, I just, I'm going to put it there now. Now, somebody's eating chips over here. That's unbelievable. I love it. No, it just made me hungry. They are chips, aren't they? Am I lying? Oh, they're not chips. Oh, they're not. Oh. They're, oh, it's a kind bar. That's amazing. No, I love it. I, it doesn't bother me. I didn't mean that as like a slight at all. I just heard it and I was like, oh, I'm hungry too. I haven't been eating for three days. All right. So the point is, I'm fasting. I love Christians who fast. They're angry. How about just eat and be happy so the world can love Jesus more because we're all angry. All right. Number two. 
What do you want? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you want? Look around. The sun goes down. The moon comes up. Wait a minute, what do you think he wants? He wants you to go down. And then he wants you to come up. But you know what we do? We let all the days bleed into each other. We try to live the whole week in one day. We try to live our whole career on one Wednesday. And you know what God wants? What do you want? Just be with me today. Follow the environment I put you in. <laughs> God, what do you want from the sun? Light when I say. Guys, if life was to be just a never ending, just like, this is how Americans live. We live in the country where the, my friend just had a baby, Jason and Low Kennedy, and I just went and saw him, his name is River. And we were talking and Lo said to me yesterday, she goes, we're the only country probably in the entire world that the whole goal once a woman is given birth is how fast she can get back to work. She said, I have friends in Brazil and they know that the organs move during birth and so for 40 days, they'll all gather around. El Salvador, these places, they'll all that gather around and the whole family will let the woman heal for 40 days, rest. Heal, relax, laugh, enjoyment, food, connection. No, no, not us. <laughs> Had a baby two days ago. Wow, that's amazing. I don't sleep. I only need two hours. Mama mentality, right? And we're just like, we're just on the grind. We're on the grind. And that's what we celebrate in our country, right? All of our champions. We don't celebrate second place. We celebrate first place. It's all about this. And then we go to church. Church has to be the biggest. The preacher has to be the best. We have to have the coolest church merch. We have to have the best-selling album. Why? Because we're American. All right, here we go. Everybody, keep going. What were you doing? I was sleeping. Get up. All right, here we go. I text you at 6 a.m. Why were you up? I was sleeping. Wow, I get up at 5.30 every morning. That's shocking to hear. All right, here we go. That is the most I've run since before COVID and before that, since 1999. It was a good year. Got married that year, so I worked out as hard as I could before my wedding because it was the first time, other than my mom and my sister, that a woman was gonna see me fully naked. And yes, my sister has seen me naked, it happens. You walk out of the bathroom, you're like, hey, how are you? <laughs> Point is, I ran a lot in those days. I'm starting to think I need to try that again. I love you guys. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I don't even know if we're allowed anymore to be like, hey, man, what are you up to? Ah, oh, I just got a great evening and afternoon. Oh, no, you mean like, what's, what's the plans? Ah, I think the plan is just... Wednesday evening, it's kind of a good night, man. Oh, oh, you're one of those people. And those are the weirdos now. The weirdos are like, I just want to be present. Oh, you're a big yoga guy? <laughs> what? Now we're all yogis if we want to be present? You know, like, oh, present, oh, one of those guys. 
when did that happen? I think there's a creator who made the sun. It travels throughout the day and it goes down. And he's like, I'm trying to send you guys a message. It's really hard. You're supposed to have days. And then you, you know, and then. But in the army of the Lord for Christians everywhere, we are supposed to never sleep and never drink and never enjoy good food or laughter. Certainly not comedy. Life is serious. And we are obsessed with our time, our life, our vision, our purpose, our goals, our mantra. And the creator of the whole earth put himself in skin and bone. And for 30 years, he was silent. You said, well, Judah, actually, we saw him when he was 12. Okay, you Bible scholar. Essentially silent from toddler to 30. Oh, that is so un-American. I mean, Jesus, you are God. We, you do not, do not stay another day in the wood shop with your stepdad, Joe. This is ridiculous. We've got to get out there, and we've got to get to saving. I know you're 17. No time like the present. Let's get out there, and we're going to get you on this little tour. I got a great agency. I got a great manager. We're going to get you out there. We're going to start building your brand. In fact, I got a great book for you. And it means, and here's the title, I'll be back. It's going to be great, okay? And we're going to get it, and we're going to get it out there. It's going to be awesome. Silent, born in Bethlehem. Like, guys, are we seeing the signs? What do you want? I want you, not a stressed out you, not a wringing your hands you, not a I got to get ahead you, not a, I need more money you, not a, I got to have more renown you. I, I just, I just want, I, I mean, God wants all of that of you, but he doesn't want your life to be, he's just like, um, can you be here? It's weird because that's like a really hard thing for me now. I don't know when it started. It was very easy as a kid. You ever had a conversation with adults where they say, remember when summers were so long? Do you know why summers were so long? Here's my working theory. Because you were present every single day. So the summer seems long. Because every day is full and present and robust. And you're not trying to fix some country's government in your mind and over coffee with your neighbor. Can everyone stop trying to fix countries when you don't even know how to organize your closet? Why are we doing this? I've never been a president, and I never will. <laughs> Lastly, and this is the hardest and I'm done, let God love you. This, when he says, I want you, here's what I've discovered. Here's the highest form of giving God what he wants. It's not loving him. It's not offering him your talent. That's not the highest level. Here it is. It's, okay. I, I parent teenagers now, and so as they get older, it's like built into the psyche of a teenager to when your dad or mom hugs you to kind of be like, mm. It's like, oh, you're 17. You're 15. Right? It's like, oh, all right. All right. You know, and my kids are good at hugging, but you know, they're still teenagers, so it's like, oh, all right, dad. And then if you like 
I love to hold and linger. Those are my favorite hugs. Okay? And I, I just do. I do. I'm a hugger and I'm a linger hugger. It's like, and I like to do this. And you know what? Eventually, I just overpower my teenagers. And they just go. And you can feel their body just. Oh, thank you for that clapping. That was beautiful. I wasn't quite prepared for that, but I liked it. But they, you know, you can feel their body just. Some of you won't even let God hug you. Do you know the most important thing you can ever do? Now I got a pointer? All right. <laughs> Guys up here like Bob Ross. I love that man, by the way. We all need to be more like Bob Ross. That's the message tonight. <laughs> happy tree. Like, yes! I want more happy trees. <laughs> this is it. This is it. I, I, I'm 43. I've been preaching since I... Uh, almost every week since I was 19. I've read the Bible. All, I read it all the time. <laughs> I, I read my Bible reading plan. In all of my research, in all of my study, culminates right here. This is what I've discovered. The highest form of existence for the human being is this. Here it is. The most important thing. If there is an architect, if there is a designer, if there is a creator, let's ask him what he wants. And I've discovered the zenith of what he wants. And what he wants is that you would be the object of his love, adoration, and obsession. The Bible says when you sleep, he does not. He watches you while you sleep. That's out there. Imagine if I said, hey, I'm your pastor. Chelsea and I are going to come over. You're going to go to bed. We're going to watch you while you sleep. We want to watch over you. He'd be like, oh, I am getting a new community. <laughs> he watches you. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He counts your hair. He loves you. See, the most famous verse in the Bible doesn't say God loves you. It says he so loves you. He doesn't just love you. So. Have you ever text someone, I love you? It's like you're kind of putting yourself out there, right? There's one, one level is, love you, bro. Love ya. But I dare you to write, I love you. But there's another level. Try this on precise. Text someone, I so love you. They're like, whoa. Right? I mean, that's another. He's, I love you. I love you. And I thought the zenith of my existence was that I would just floor God with my love. And the whole point of my existence at its highest level is letting God hug me. You letting God love me. I, you don't want to hug me. Just let me love you. God, I... You don't. Not a lot of people love me. I'm not. Go ahead, America. Keep canceling people. He never will. Go ahead, culture. 
Start naming people you think are done, their careers are over, and they'll never be heard from again. Oh, how the times have changed. We cancel people we're just like. They just haven't seen us do it. We cancel people who tweet things we think. That was a bummer. Do you know where God is? For the most despicable person you can imagine in this country that has been canceled multiple times over, do you know where God is in relationship to them? What do you want? I'll show you. Come here. You okay? No. Ruined my whole life. Hurt my family. Hurt my reputation. Did the dumbest thing. Come here. Come here. I don't got anything to offer. You didn't have much to offer to begin with, son. Come on. Really? Yeah. Come on. And I used to think the most powerful position, bear with me, I'm almost done. We might need a couple more kind bars. Here's what happened. I used to think this was the most powerful position. You know, praying, praying, praying. It's not. I used to think this was the most powerful position. It's not. I've discovered the most powerful position a human being can ever be in relationship to the divine. And it's something that looks like this. You can hug me. I'm not going to fight it. Okay. Here I come. Thank you. What's that? That's me loving you, son. Are you sure? Oh, I've never been more sure about anything in my whole life. I love you. There's this song right now. I'm done. We're not playing it because no one knows it. But the song goes, nobody ever cared for me like Jesus. And I am here to tell you, push comes to shove at the end of the day. At least I know I will always have arms that will hold me. What do you want? I want you. What does that look like? Just let me put my arms around you. I don't even believe in you. That's okay. I've done that to a lot of people who don't believe in me. Just stay where you are. Okay. I'm here. I forgive you. I love you. Are you going to fix everything? Someday. Is all the pain going to go away? Someday. Am I still going to have cancer? Maybe. But I love you. I can't guarantee you a thing in this life except one. And that is whether you are aware of it, whether you appreciate it, whether you see it, whether you want it or acknowledge it, there is a God. And he loves you. And that, my friend, will never change. And that is why you are here.
to be a recipient of the divine creator's love. That's it. And everything else pales in comparison. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take one more step in our progression and experience of worship, and we're going to let God love us. There are some people in this room, you love Jesus with all your heart, but you are fatigued because you have made your purpose in life to love God. But that is not where it starts. It starts with letting him love you. And there are people in here and your love for God, it grows cold. And it grows cold because you have not let him love you. I mean, I'm, I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm getting crazy as I get older. I wake up sometimes and I'm like, do you think God love me again? I'm a mess, but you love me. Don't you let anybody ever tell you something different. Anybody in this room that really knows Jesus knows what I'm talking about and knows that this is the most important thing in the world. When the love of Jesus starts to infiltrate your being and your DNA and your brain and your soul and your body, you start to feel something unlike anything else can produce in you. It's as if you're whole. What's that? What is that? You're home, son. Am I ever not going to cry anymore? I don't know. It's like from here on out, all my sermons end with tears, and I blame all of you because I see your faces, and you get emotional, so I get emotional because I'm like, they're hearing it, and I'm like, doesn't this feel great? And then you're like, yes, and so then I keep preaching, and it goes too long, so we're done. Oh, I love you. Yeah, I do. I do. Church home was in the, it's in my guts, man. I love you. I love this church. I love LA. I love Seattle. I love you. But that's not what's going to sustain this church at all. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, if you could count the ways he loves you. The thoughts he has towards you are more numerous than all of the sand granules on all of the shores of all the seas and oceans on earth. You're always on his mind. You're the apple of his eye. You're in the center of his heart. Before your mom or dad named you, he did. And he made you fearfully and wonderfully and he designed you for his own love and obsession and connection and enjoyment. So let it be, church. The God of the ages love you. And let your life take the shape of dignity and purpose and meaning unlike it ever could any other way. My life is not valuable because of what I do or because I'm a man of character. My life is of value because the one who made me loves me. 
and he loves me so much. He took the form of a man so that he could take my punishment and he could take my judgment and he could take my consequences in his body. So he hung there and laid in the sixth hour. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he said, it is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And so it was done. A way was made for humanity for all eternity. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, no matter how broken, fragmented, or sinful they are, all have access to the divine. All are welcome to the table of the Father and all receive his unconditional love acceptance. You are welcome at his table. No matter who you are and what you've done, but Jesus has finished the work. Now you tell me, go find better news and I'll preach that. But you won't find it. So that's why I'm preaching it with every ounce of my being. I told a friend of mine who's on tour, I said, if you do it with all your heart tonight, I'll do it with all of my heart tonight. He said, deal. I said, deal. So I gave you everything I got tonight because nothing's more important than letting God love you. Oh, wonderful Jesus. I never met anybody like you. And I must admit, I stand here and I am by definition undone by your love. I don't know how you do it, but you are the same. And you never stop loving. Your love is fierce. Your love is ferocious. Your love is consuming. And your love is complete. And your love is perfect. And your love is mine. Thank you. I know we don't always do this, but if, if you're capable, could you just start talking to him? You don't even have to say it out loud, but just in your head. Thank you. He's here, you know. His spirit fills your body, and he loves you. Tell him how much you appreciate his love. It's music to his ears. So with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, just for a moment of privacy, if you're here and you say, Judah, I would like to receive the free gift of Jesus, the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers. I would like to receive the architect and the designer's relationship and friendship. He who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know who you are. If you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. Nobody's looking, but I believe when you respond on the outside physically with your hand going up, it simply signifies and solidifies on the inside of you that what is experiencing in your body and your brain is real. You know who you are. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift up your hand all over the auditorium and say, that's me. God, you see every hand, but more importantly, you see every heart. And we thank you that your forgiveness flows freely at church home. We thank you whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And we thank you that God so loved the world. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believes that God loves them will not perish, but have everlasting life. May this room be filled with people who are divinely 
persuaded that you so love them. You so love them. Persuade your people that you so love them. You're not just God. You're a God in love with them. God, persuade us tonight. Meet us tonight. Change us. Alter us. May we never be the same. Transform us from the inside out. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.